Hi there, I'm Andy, a moon chasing, manifesting, wander lover, and feel good aficionado. Consider me your woo woo best friend. This show is a sacred space for ideas, concepts, and modalities that might be considered taboo, but that I personally find a great magic in. In these conversations, my mission is to inspire confidence, worth, and mystical thinking in our modern world. Let's get into it, shall we? Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the show. It is the week following the new moon in Cancer. Were you feeling it? I definitely was. It's a time of new beginnings, of course. New moons are always a time of new beginnings, and I love new beginnings. I love the new moon, especially getting to start a new session of Colt Laloon each month. And we have a really magical one happening this month, this session, with this being the year anniversary of our course. And this new moon that we just came through this past weekend is in the sign of cancer. It's cancer season. Cancer is a sensitive, emotional, and introspective sign. I have been feeling that, sensitive, emotional, and introspective. Couple that with, I had family join Ben and I at our house here in LA, visit us here for the weekend, my dad and my stepmother. And I haven't seen them in well over a year since before the pandemic. I was having all these feelings of nostalgia from summer's past and making new memories. And that's all, that's all emotional. It's all emotional and sensitive. Remembering stories, both good and bad, creating new stories, rewriting relationships. We went and hung out on the beach in Malibu for an afternoon. And I don't think I've been to the beach with my dad since I was a child maybe. And it was something that as I was having that experience, I was remembering how much I loved that as a kid. I share all that because cancer, the sign of the crab, is represented by this tiny animal who's got this hard shell on the outside, but is really soft and sensitive on the inside And that's the energetic that we're moving through during this season. So if you need to spend some time on that shell and on those emotions, on that sweet sensitivity that you have, spend time there. My guest for the show today, we have an interview today, is Ryan Haddon. Ryan is a certified life and spiritual coach, a clinical hypnotherapist, and certified meditation teacher with over 16 years of experience with clients around the world. Ryan truly believes, just like I do, that we need to spend time in the duality of our spirit. We need to take a look deeply at the dark and address and face our stories. And in doing so, we have an opportunity to create a life full of lightness, full of love that we can be really proud of. Ryan is a sought-after public speaker for corporate retreats and wellness events and has taught meditation for 
the U.S. government. Ryan does private workshops as well. She's also the in-house life coach at Kourtney Kardashian's website, Push. And she's written more than 50 articles surrounding topics, including mind, body, and spirit. She writes for other publications as well, such as Authority Magazine and Parents Magazine and Mind Body Green. And she's been on lots of podcasts talking about relationships, self-development, and how to have a purpose-driven life. I absolutely love this conversation with Ryan. We have so many interests in common, and our approach is really similar, and I can't wait to share her with you. So as we get started, I am sending you all so much love in this cancer season, introspective, feeling the sensitive flow sort of energy that we're moving through as we approach Leo season, which is my favorite season because I am a Leo son. And I hope that whatever you need right now, you are feeling really filled up and feeling that you really have an opportunity to seek out what it is that you need. We have a beautiful opportunity to create a summer to remember right now. We're already in the summer. We're there. We're here. So I hope you're really spending the time on the things that you love, creating boundaries where you need it, enjoying the people that mean the most to you, and just taking really good care. So with that said, let's get into the episode, shall we? We're going to talk fear and faith and spirituality and all sorts of other things too. So here we go. Let's get started. Ryan, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here on your Woo Woo BFF. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Andy. Yes, of course. Of course. So I'm excited to talk with you about your work and really interested in the things that you offer and the the uh, support that you share with the people that you work with. And before we get into that, I'd love to ask you about your astrological big three. We always start there, sun, moon, and rising. So if you would be so kind as to share those with us, I'd love to hear them. I am um, a Capricorn and my moon is an Aquarius. Mm-hmm. And uh, my rising is Aries, but I think we should we should I, just change the show to uh, the show of Capricorns because there uh, is always Capricorn in the charts of the guests that I have. I'm a Capricorn rising, so oh, uh, how funny! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even feel like I'm Capricorn that much. I feel like I'm much more of an Aquarian. So it's interesting how um, how that shows up, and I also think as we evolve we move. Someone mentioned that to me that you might start out in your life as a Capricorn and then you would move into your moon sign as you progress and evolve spiritually. So I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I like it. (laughs) Were you born in the morning time or evening time? I think afternoon. Okay. I I have no no formal evidence to support this, but I, I often wonder if people born in the evening relate more to their moon sign than their sun sign. And oh, I don't, I don't know if that's true. I should actually do some research and find out if that's in fact true. Um, yeah, but I, I wonder if that's the case. Yeah. yeah. And so Aquarius, Aquarius moon and rising Aries, Aries. Yeah. rising Aries. Okay. Okay. I love an Aquarius moon. It's, I love moon signs in general. I find, yes. I find there to be so much power in having a deep understanding of, mm-hmm. of your moon 
of your moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's a good okay. blueprint to work off yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Obviously so we're not locked by our, by our signs, but it's a, it's a blueprint. Yeah. And then we have the power to shift and change and become yeah. anything else, you know, but. we do. We, we certainly do. Okay. So I want to get into your work and your story. So you're a certified life coach and a spiritual coach and mentor as well, a clinical hypnotherapist and a certified meditation teacher. And you've been doing that for many years, this beautiful work that you do. You're also a writer and you lead, you lead workshops. You're doing a lot of a lot of beautiful things in the wellness space and the spiritual space as well. So I'd love to hear a bit about your story and how you found your way into this work. I think like any good uh, healer, worker, practitioner, um, light bearer, we've had to go through uh, our own share of darkness to have an actual interest to stand in the light. Um, so that's, that's definitely a part of my story on my timeline. Um, I'd say, you know, uh, a lot of my thinking and healing brought me out to Hollywood, which is sort of the place of shiny things which I think is where you are. There's an incredible undercurrent there of spirituality and healing. And so it's those two things coexist, right? Yep. And, um, and thank God for it. But for me, I um, definitely was in a uh, Hollywood lifestyle and uh, was seduced by thinking that broken part of myself would get healed through all those things, through... Mm-hmm fame and fortune. And, um, and then I had imposter syndrome when I had it, you know, or I was, I I shimmied up close to it. Um, and so it was, that really led to so much pain that it actually opened me up to addiction and to an even darker journey. Um, Mm -hmm. but that was the gateway to it was realizing that nothing was working outside of me to create that feeling of safety, security, belonging, purpose, and um, that was the best thinking I had at the time. And uh, addiction became a place where I could land and sort of not, I didn't know that the work was internal. So the building back from that place was really learning that it was an inside job. You hear that a lot, but it really mm-hmm. was about building a relationship to myself, finding a center, learning to be of service to others in that process. So that was very much... Um, a big part of my healing was as I would make progress, I would turn around and help another sister on the path. Yeah. And so those two things are so intertwined for me. So that um, I've been doing that for almost 18 years. And then I'd say about five or six years ago, it was five years, I moved that into the life coaching realm. And I was already doing it in some capacity. And it just shifted in meditation I've been doing since I was 18. Mm-hmm. Um and so it all just made sense. And hypnosis has always shown up for me powerfully, mm-hmm. even in the darkest times. I wanted to quit smoking. I, hypnosis fell in, fell in my path and worked. And I was in, when I was dating, I um, was pulling in these relationships. And it was through hypnosis and working with a hypnotherapist that I was able to really work with my subconscious around those patternings and conditionings of pulling in unconditional, un, um, we call it relationships that were, were, were just not on the same page, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that I was able to heal from that, that deep place. So I always had a respect and an awe of it 
in my own practical life. So that was an easy modality to explore and want to bring to my clients. Yeah. So for someone who doesn't know about hypnosis and they've only kind of, you know, seen it on TV or in a movie and they're what they're wondering, okay, what really happens in a hypnosis session and what sort of what sort of reasons would someone might have for you mentioned smoking or relationships? What sort of what sort of sort of other reasons might someone have for experiencing a hypnosis session? Well, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. So that's important to say because a lot of times people think again someone outside of you is creating this healing and it's really someone is guiding and directing you into this theta state and the theta mm -hmm. state is um, what we're in mostly from the ages of zero to seven where we're qualifying and quantifying and uploading into our subconscious which is a part of our mind that houses all our memories our imagination and any emotion we've ever had so that's sort of it houses all of that and it's surrounded by the autonomic nervous system which is the fight and flight part of things and how, you know, we set off adrenaline and all of that. So what happens is in life, we're moving along after the age of seven, we've popped out of theta state and we're mostly in alpha and beta. Right now we're in that beta state. It's a brainwave activity and it's mostly about output, some input, but theta is really like the sponge mm. stage of things. But what happens is we're moving as an adult and we get triggered or we um, are not aligning to what our conscious mind wants for ourselves. And that can even show up spiritually or it can show up in the self-development department where we're like, I should love myself more, but I can con continually go back to this conditioning of perfectionism or not enough. Or So that's really my favorite place to work with people, people who have been on the path for a while and that have read every self-help book and that have yeah. you know, done all the meditations and the workshops and all of that. And they're still bumping up against this conditioning from the ages of zero to seven of what like love, security, safety, abundance looks like that was made through the eyes of a child, you yeah. know, and might not always have been safe or contained or for the highest, you know, at that time, because God bless our parents and ancestors. And they're all just passing passing on these bouquets of things for us to work with, right? And then we come I, in with that's our a own good way bag. of putting it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> we come in with our own bag of tricks too, but it's, right. um, it does. So it's, it's a really a fertile, a fertile space. And I think I get most excited when people come through my practice that have been on the path that are seasoned, that, um, are, are gone as far as they can go with the tools they have. And this is sort of an unlocking to another level of healing for them. And I love to teach hypnosis so they can do it for themselves. So most yeah. people walk away with a firm ability to be able to drop themselves into theta state. And so, you know, it's, it's, this is the time of sovereignty. This is the time where everyone's learning how to self-soothe, how to manage, how to become autonomous, how to make their own decisions bodily, yeah. mentally, physically, spiritually, you know, and we're, a lot of things are crumbling, a lot of old paradigms. So it's pretty yeah. exciting. And that's why, um, through my practice, do we need another coach? Do we need another, like, I don't know. I think we're all kind of saying the same things. It's about falling in love with yourself and living from that place always. Yeah. And, you know, so but we're all saying it in different ways, but why I love hypnosis is because you can intellectually know that but if um, the subconscious isn't on board and calls bullshit, no, you don't love yourself. You don't. It's not true. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. it's not where it's why affirmations don't always work. 
because we're doing them in a different state of mind in the beta state. Like I love myself. I'm amazing. Everything works out. Blah, blah, blah. And the subconscious is not in alignment with that. So yeah. anyway. So when you're doing that sort of work with the understanding that so much of what we subconsciously or unconsciously believe about who we are has been imprinted by the time we're seven years old and we likely had little control of how that went for us. <laughs> so when you're doing that work, are, are we then accessing those parts of us from those ages of zero to seven and in some sense, reworking or rewiring that belief mm -hmm. system? That's exactly right. It's well said. Exactly. So that's what we're doing. We're uploading new ideas around the old ones that don't serve. So it's like looking for the bugs in a hard drive, pulling yeah. them out and uploading new ideas around, you know, what we want as adults to manifest and actualize and step into fully. Yeah. What are you finding right now coming into this? I mean, now we're in the second half of 2021. We're in July now and mm -hmm. approaching August. And so I guess my question is, after this past year and a half almost of time, what are you finding in your practice is kind of the, what are the themes that are showing up the most when people are coming in to do this type of work right now? Mm. That's a really good question. Um, I think it, it does come in waves of what people are looking for. I think when people are coming through my practice now, it's about, again, I'm going to use that word sovereignty. Mm -hmm. It's about either they're in a relationship with someone who doesn't have the same beliefs as them. So that's feeling really acute right now because there, there are lines in the sand, you know, around certain things. And so I'm seeing relational issues. I'm seeing purpose, people redefining and creating purpose around their lives. That what fell apart during uh, this last year, they're having to reinvent themselves. People moving from the city to the country. How do I create a life from scratch? What are mm -hmm. my values? How do I change? I have, you know, CEOs leaving their businesses and saying, I want a simpler life. How do I create that? You know, um, I write a lot about this on um, Instagram. So people kind of know that I've done this. I moved from L.A. to a farm 10 years ago. I felt that calling to, to leave that noise, that external noise, to really deep dive into the internal noise because <laughs> that's what yeah. happens when you take away all the stimulus. And so people um, are coming to me knowing that I have that experience and I can help shepherd them through that. Same with relationships. I have people coming out of relationships, people, I think that's, people are still putting pieces together that fell apart and some of the things that fell apart needed to. Yeah. And so I think that's, it's, oh, there was a lot of house of cards happening and those are the people I'm most excited to work with. Mm -hmm. Who are you right now? Let's help you move into this next vision. You might not see it or know it, but together we're going to unpack everything in this safe space that this container that we're creating through our, our, communicating and connecting together. I'm going to give you some processes and then we're going to bump up against some conditioning and the flags because the subconscious does not want you to change things. It wants things to stay the same because it can calculate outcomes and predict you know, variables. And so this is that people have a knowing of that, that fear that comes in old ideas are trying to keep you in a cap, 
you know, of who you were. And so that's when through the coaching, we'll start to see, oh, there's a subconscious belief there. And then we'll move it into hypnosis. So it's kind of, I think people are getting a sense that, like I said before, people know that they're supposed to love themselves, that they're supposed to be fearless, that they're supposed to move into change at this time that's appropriate, but they're still feeling um, all those internal points of resistance and they want mm-hmm. to be agents for good in their life, you know, for, for themselves and those around them. So yeah. I'm seeing a lot of that. Yeah. And I'm sure coming out of this, this last year, fear is something that I'm sure you're, you're always spending time working on, but I, I would imagine that fear has been a theme that has shown itself in a much, maybe much larger, but also in a unique way over this, mm-hmm. this last year, this last time period, fear can affect our lives in such a big way and it can impact the choices we make of how we live and what we are willing to, what we're willing to try out for our lives. Mm -hmm. So how do you approach working with fear? I think fear is just a part of being human, you know, so there's an acceptance around it first off. And, you know, I think sometimes People say that fear and faith can't coexist, and I think they can beautifully because we can edge out fear through faith. That's just one way. It doesn't have to be if you don't have faith. There's other ways. We can take action. You know, we can walk out all the fears and then kind of pinpoint them and then intellectually, you know, come up with solutions around each one, you know, to move that needle forward, as they say in this coaching sphere. Um, But the idea of faith, and having faith and having fear at the same time is uh, such a beautiful spiritual axiom. Because I think if you're on the path, and this is the woo-woo space, right? So everyone here is. Yes. Um, sometimes we beat ourselves up. Like, I shouldn't be afraid. I should be in more faith. I should feel like that. And I think it's like, it's actually a fake spirituality. It's not mm-hmm. real. If you're not doing, if you're not uncomfortable, then you're not doing this right. This is not a love and light show. This is not crystals yeah. and rainbows. And that might be a, an entry point to come in here, but it gets messy and you're dealing with your shadow and yeah. you want to make space for it. And you want to clear space for the darkness to cohabit with the light. This whole planet was made in organic darkness and light, like it's both. And they, they, we have to cohabit both within ourselves and outside of us. Right. Yeah. So I think it's having an understanding of fear and like the subconscious, it keeps us safe, right? If we didn't have healthy fears, so it's, it's parceling out what's healthy, what's keeping me in self-preservation. Where has this constantly tripped me up? Where is that connected to conditioning? How can I keep growing spiritually while recognizing the fear, allowing it to be there, and then opening myself up to more light, more grace, more unfolding, and not feeling a contraction every time it comes along or getting into judgment? Because that's Mm -hmm. just a place where I see a lot of my spiritual sisters and brothers getting stuck, you know, or they think they're supposed to be Zen, or you think you're supposed to be peaceful, you're not triggered. It's about having... The triggering is going to happen. The yeah. lack of peace is going to happen. We, this is the earth school. We've come here for this. This is, this is the <laughs> right. friction, right? The resistance. So it's, I think it's a total acceptance of that. It's a compassion of all of it. And then it's 
the witnessing of it. There it is. There it is, friend. Pull up the chair. Let's have some tea. What have you got to say? You know, so I think, I think those are, those are just an understanding about it. And then knowing how to self-soothe when that happens. Everyone's going to have a different toolbox. Those are, these are things I talk about a lot with my clients is how are you self-soothing through this? Mm -hmm. Are you Netflixing and chill? Are you doing a spiritual bypass? You know, are you, you know, what, what are you doing to move this through your system? Because this is what you came for. If someone isn't familiar with what a spiritual bypass would be, what, what would that look like? How, how would they know if that's what they're up to? (laughs) Well, we all do it to varying degrees, you know, we all do it, but it would look like just saying when you're feeling any feeling or pain or experience or triggering is slapping on a saying, you're like, Oh, it's all, everything works out like that. Or it's maybe, um, doing, going to a retreat, or it's going to talk to someone who's spiritual, who doesn't actually have your solution. I mean, for everyone, it's going to look and feel different. Yeah. Essentially it's popping out of the experience of what you're having because it's so uncomfortable that, you know, people do Netflix and chill or whatever that is, or shopping or all those things, but people on the path know that's not the way my center is here. My lane has gotten narrow, but now which on this lane, where do I use my spirituality to not be present with what's happening and what's unfolding? Where am I not being mindful? And I'm like, you know, even yesterday that happened to me, I had a triggering around something and I sat and I was like, sat at my altar and I started to do a meditation and I'm not saying meditation's bad, but I knew at that moment, I, the phrase popped in my head, this is a bypass. So mm. I said, what is, what is, what needs to be said? So I pulled out, this is the training that I've received. I pulled out a paper and I started to write an inventory. This is what's going on. This is what's come up for me. This is what it reminds me of. This is what, and then I can look at it and I'm excavating and I'm allowing that's, that's the tool in the toolbox, right? I'm allowing it to come out of me. I don't like it. I don't love the feeling of it. I don't like looking at a character defect that's gotten activated or I don't like defect a character. Um, uh, what do you want to say? Flaw. I don't know. Just a character aspect. Let's say that's popped up that I've deemed negative because it's not favorable. Let's put it that way. And then I can look at what does it remind me of? And I get that curiosity instead of the, Oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I need to meditate now. And I just need to move back to the mantra, you know, and go back to the, like, that would be like pushing that down you know, for me. And it would look different for somebody else. And then from there, I got all my phrasing that I needed off of that inventory. And then I started doing tapping which is, you know, and another tool in my toolbox. So I wanted to, I have the desire to move it through my system, through touching mm-hmm. on these meridians on my body and saying these phrases, even though I'm so triggered right now, I love and accept myself completely. And then I say, I'm so mad. I'm so triggered. I feel like I'm not enough. Whatever those phrases, those truths are that I've excavated, I'm being with them. Then I move into my meditation, you know, yes. then I decide if I'm going to go talk to someone about it or if I've, I've covered it myself. Because again, no one else has my solution. I could call X, Y, and Z and they'd be like, it's okay. You're good. You work so hard. And that would be a bypass, you know, because I do, they'd be right. I do do that, (laughs) but I'm not availing myself to the miracle of what's happening for me in that moment where something got highlighted that needs to get highlighted because I'm trying to be, to, um, own all of me, all my parts. And that's the shadow piece that popped up for me. And it's a gift. Yeah, there's there is a deep trust and and truth and that that sense of sovereignty that one has to have in order mm-hmm. to 
to ensure that you're not stepping into that spiritual bypass because Mm we, we, we get, we, we get these tools. We, we learn about meditation. We learn about our breathwork practices. We, we, we have conversations with our coaches and our therapists. And then we wonder, well, why is this continuing to show up for me? But we're not, we're not really addressing the truth and trusting that we can feel it out and Mm -hmm. find the, find, find what needs to be found inside. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's what I think any good coach worth their weight has given enough tools to their clients so that they can go off Mm-hmm. and be able to, um, coach themselves. You know, I mean, I have clients that come back in the years just like, Hey, can we just run this through the, the filter of how we do this again? I'm like, yeah, yeah, come on and back in. Let's yeah. do this. But essentially it's, you should be able to do that at this time. And at the end of the day, you are responsible. You are responsible for you. You are responsible for your process. You are responsible for your emotional life. And, um, that's terrifying. And and it's also no, there's no solution out there unless you're still trying to garner information so that you can self soothe and do all these, have all these tools. And that that's super valid and valuable. And it is also nice to have a container in which you can also hear yourself and someone can pull a mirror up and say, how did you see it this way? I think there might be a blind spot there. You know, I'm hearing this. Are you feeling this? Like, so that's how I work. And I'm sure that's anyone listening who's worked with anyone who's got some, some idea of how to hold space would do it the same. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's beautiful. And okay. So then when we're feeling fear, so we often live so out of our bodies, what's your recommendation for how we can connect into our body and feel where fear is hanging out and then make that decision based on what, what sort of trust and and truth is living within to, to begin to shift that. Yeah, I think breath, you mentioned breath work is a really good one because it drops us, three deep breaths drop us out of the head. It changes the chemistry in the brain. Everyone knows that part, but it's a reminder because we don't do it. We're always breathing shallow. Mm-hmm. So in the moment when that's happening, to turn the external focus within and to just take those deep breaths and to just figure out, like you said, that place in the body where it's being held, where that fear is, where that anxiety is, where that stress is, and mm-hmm. just tune into it. Oh, there you are. And I'd venture to say most fear resides in the solar plexus. That's just because it's will, you know, that's the, that's that chakra, right? It's, it's the middle point in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always, you know, I've done this Lord's prayer. It's not a Christian. I mean, Lord's prayer was probably, I've heard it's the only prayer that Jesus actually said out loud. You know, that's, I've heard that and that was a revelation to me a few years ago. Um, the rest is all created around him. Yeah. Um, but so it's, and I learned from this teacher, Cho Kok Sui, who's of the Eastern tradition, that you can do an installation of the Lord's Prayer throughout your body, throughout the chakras. Ooh, yeah. And it's, oof, yeah, it's major. So that part for me, because I've done that, I know that this is the part of as above and so below the yeah. solar plexus. So, and so that's a a focal point there. So I, I love that where it's God's will and my will, you know, the universe's love versus the, the, the personality. And so that's, and that's why fear is housed in the solar plex area. So it's, it's tuning into that and I go, Oh, I'm feeling my will and I want to turn it over. I want to surrender that, that fear that I'm having. It's because I'm not in faith somehow, or I'm not trusting this process or I'm not. So it's, it, how it lives there for me. And it might be in the heart for somebody else, but, um, 
that's, I, I can usually tune into that and breath will do that because it'll drop me out of the spinning in the head, right? you know, and, and put me right back into my body to tune into that place. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So in mentioning the Lord's Prayer, we oftentimes have this conversation going on in spirituality of where does where does the where does spirituality live versus religion and i find mm-hmm. that when people are finding their way into a spiritual practice maybe what they knew was religion and now they're having this awareness of something that's that is that's different that looks different mm-hmm. so from your perspective and working as a spiritual coach and a mentor and speaking and teaching and and writing about this particular topic when someone's finding their way into a spiritual practice, what what does that mean from your from your perspective? Oh my. Well, I think it'll mean different things to different people, but I think from people who've left religion to people who've dropped into spirituality, and the difference between the two is that there is no filter outside of them between their relationship to spirit. I think that that's what I hear consistently. I, I didn't come yeah. from a, a religion to a spirituality. I just popped right into spirituality when I was 17. Yeah. Um, but I was the same as you. Yeah. You were? Yeah. That's interesting. We'll, we'll get there. I'd love to hear your, your story, how that happened. But uh, that's a young age. That's a tender age to c- come onto a path because mm-hmm. it's not about, you're not, you're not looking at spirit at that time necessarily. So there's a, that's a, that's an act of grace. Um, but so I, I find that consistently people have felt that there's been some intermediary that's been interpreting their mm-hmm. relationship or that's been uh, buffering it in some way for better or for worse. And so for me, spirituality is, you know, it's right here. It's closer than my hands and feet. And that is from that other religion. But it is that it's right here. It's in the heart. It, you can mm-hmm. access it through breath and um and then again, like we said, this understanding of spirituality being a rocky journey, and it should be. And there's nothing wrong if you're bumping and bumping and bumping against things. Yeah. It just means it's like, how are you transmuting that then? Um, so I'd say that that's what comes to mind in this moment. I'm sure I'll think of other things after, but yeah, I think it's really about an, an intimacy that consistently people are looking for when yeah. they're coming away from more of a, um, a structure versus a feeling, uh, a connective point within themselves that there is nothing between them and that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Although people do find that in religion too. So I, I want to say that for yeah. anyone else listening, they, they do find that. Yeah. And they don't have to live in silos. You can be, mm-hmm. you can be in, in a, you can practice a religious tradition and, and be completely committed to that and have a mm-hmm. deep sense of spirituality, spirituality that is your own. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so interested. I'm so, I'm so interested in, in diving deeper and just from a knowledge perspective into the spirituality of the great prophets. And I, I just finished a, a, a 200 hour Kundalini teacher certification. And we've been spending a lot. Yeah. We've been spending a lot of time discussing. And this could be, some folks may not like this, but that discussing the, the idea that Jesus and Muhammad and these, these, these great religious leaders are truly the original yogis. We're really Mm -hmm. the, the, that is what they all had in common is this deep, deep connection to something 
something beyond them on mm-hmm. themselves. And really, when we talk about yoga, what we know today of yoga is, you know, the Lululemon and the classes with like the, you know, with the music and the whole thing and, and the, the, the original, the original story of yoga is of course not that. And so I've been just really interested in really exploring that in a, in a deeper way and really, really Mm -hmm. having a, a bit of a conversation about what each of those religions has in common from a spiritual perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they most all are saying the same thing. Yeah. If you line it all up, it's all that um, there's a oneness, mm-hmm. right? There's a connection that's right there that we're able to do incredible things. Yeah. And, you know, that um, we're, here, we're here to know love. Yep. And through the lens of compassion and service and all those things, it's all pretty sim- most pretty similar. Yeah. In its in its essence of the message, before it was um, filtered to control and manage populations. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Before it was <laughs> before a bunch of guys put together books that yes. they felt was going to be necessary for what yeah. they were living in that exact moment. Yeah. Right, and to interpret those great beings' words, and you know. Yeah. So when someone comes to you for for the experience of spiritual mentorship or coaching where do you begin what questions do you do you start with to determine if someone's spirituality or their their approach to spiritual work is working for them or if they need to make some some shifts or heal Mm -hmm. old perceptions of of spirituality well that's exactly what i do is i say what are you working with (laughs) what are your concepts you know, what kind of, because why would you want to turn your life over and surrender to a being or an energy or an understanding that isn't fully supporting you and loving you in the most infinite way? Even if you don't quite know what that means, you have a sense of it. And so that's where we would start. And then I'd have them write about that and we'd talk about it and I'd start them on a practice of meditation and I'll move things around. You know, my understanding of meditation is there's four different branches of it Mm -hmm. and they fall into different quadrants so not everybody's suited to certain types of meditation Mm -hmm. so you'll find people come through my practice and they say I don't like meditation it doesn't work for me Mm. and and I'm like well what were you doing you know because some people like kundalini they like the the breath and the movement and the mudra and the the mantra so it's like they need that kind of action to feel that connection to drop into that space we're all looking to drop into that space beyond thoughts that's all meditation is to move into that space of being and so there's different ways to do it there's qigong there's visualizations there's um zen type meditation just through breath so there's all different kinds so i'd take a look at what what have you done what have you resonated with? What are your beliefs? What's working for you? Let's build you a better God because this one isn't working. Mm-hmm. And so you have the freedom and that's, that's our God given right to God given right. I'm saying that in the sentence of building our God, it's yeah. our, it's our birthright to create a relationship with something greater than us that sustains and feeds us and um, gives meaning and purpose in our life. So um, if that's not what you have, you know, um, it's going to require just a bit of flexibility, a bit of, um, courage. And that's pretty much all that's needed because grace can do a lot with that. 
Yeah. You know, it really is just a crack of a window to get in and throw everything open. And then all of a sudden you're living in a different house, right? Instead of the house of cards, you're living in like with a solid foundation and with a relationship that's feels, um, yummy and that there's a two way conversation happening, you know, whatever that is. So let's find that for you and let's help you really anchor into it because life's not going to stop. You know, husbands and children are going to grow up and husbands are going to leave and <laughs> I'm sorry to be, you know, and jobs are going to, you're going to lose that, that all those things won't ever, it's the nature of being here, it's change and yeah. shift, right? So yeah. the anchoring in to self and something greater is going to be pretty important because then that the filter through which you process all those things um creates context yeah. creates you know a um a space that feels like there's a cushion around you yeah who doesn't want that because we're seeking that in everything else outside of us anyway so yeah yeah, I'm, and for me, truly, talking about my 17-year-old entry into spirituality, I, I very much had that realization of the impermanence of the constructs of what I thought life was going to look like at around that age, 17. My, my family was having a falling apart. My parents were splitting up. Like th things were kind mm -hmm. of, th you know, I was, I was like, oh, wow, what I thought was, what I thought my life was, was what I thought it was going to look like is clearly very different from what I, with mm -hmm. the expectation I had. And when you're, you know, when you're 15, 16, you're, you're not even really connected into that. It's just, you live based on what, what is happening in your day to day. And so my awareness was that everything around me was impermanent. The one thing that was not was myself and a connection to, to something divine, something bigger than me. And that would be what would carry me through breakdowns that were happening around me was mm. that I was I was still here and I was obviously here for a reason and that my connection with something at that time I wasn't sure of what to call it but I knew that there was a, a connection to something greater universe source I just felt it was a, a connection mm. to grace a connection to the divine was 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 what was there for me mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. beautiful wow I yeah. love that and I was, I was like, okay, let's see how this plays. <laughs> let's see how this plays out. What does this mean? I don't know. And I'm not sure that I have other friends in my 17 year old circle that I can even really have this conversation with, but mm -hmm. I knew it was, I knew it was true for me. Wow. How special. Yeah. yeah. yeah we share that because I had that too, something similar. Yeah, yeah. That there was a call. Yeah. You know, a call out and I didn't quite know. I just knew that there was something else. And it was just yeah. those, those little, just little snapshots of like looking out the window of an airplane and seeing the moon so close and feeling the, yeah. my breath taken away going like, what is that? Not that I hadn't seen the moon before, but sure. that feeling of divinity. Yeah. I didn't recognize it. It wasn't, you know, I mean, obviously I've had many, many lifetimes of, of a connection to source. You know, this wasn't my first rodeo, yeah. but in this, at the 17 years or 15, 16 is when that started to unfold. Mm -hmm. on this timeline. Um, but yeah, so a couple snapshots of that and then just saying, I need a teacher. I don't know how to do this, you know? I, and then I, I met a meditation teacher from the, from the Indian tradition and had an incredible Kundalini experience at 17, you know, um, that was undeniable and irrefutable. And, and it, it I said, I want to know more. And so I moved to India. 
Wow. And lived there for two years. Yeah, so that's been a part of my story too. But as you can see, as we said in the beginning of this podcast, it didn't preclude me from the human activities. Having that meditation and that divine connection, I still had to go dark and come do my dance in Hollywood and do all that. So it, yeah. But I do think it shortened the distance. Yeah. I do think that sometimes people live there for a very long time and by the grace of my practices and that knowing and that connection, it actually sped things up. And I think that's really when people say, well, if God exists, then why do these things happen? You know, in my case, it's like, well, because it's karma. Like I have things to do here, you know, then yeah. I have to experience all kinds of things. But because of that connection, I was able to make a call out in those dark moments and that tenebrosity and say, God, help me. And yeah. know somehow oh, yeah. that that call would be answered. And it did, you know, not on my time, but on the, the right time when I gotten everything I needed to yeah. in those dark places, all the, the searching and you know, digging and diving and, and then it did and it was short lived. So I'm, I'm so grateful for that. So not, yeah. not as many, not, not as much damage could have happened it happened over sure. time, you know, so that's that grace. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. Okay. So I have five questions for us yes. to wrap up our time together. So the first one is tell us about an object or charm that is special to you. You know, I was thinking that, that, that I love that my mom gave me this beautiful necklace that has this charm that has all these lucky symbols on it. And then my children's astrological oh, on the back, which yeah. I love. But I think the thing that I wear the most is this necklace that I have. It's like a, it's called La Feminite and it's on my neck. It's on my throat chakra and it's diamonds, just a little row of diamonds. And I collaborated with someone that's, that's close to me. And we made a hypnosis around these necklaces. So when anyone puts them on, they set an intention. And for me, it was about finding my voice, speaking my truth, being in integrity. And that's why it's on the throat chakra. So I'd probably say this one's the one I never take off. This would be the one that I think is a charm. But yeah. I, the one that never comes off of me is that one. So it feels like that must be my lucky one. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. What is a book that changed your life? Oh my gosh, there's so many. Wow. <laughs> the one that's coming to mind is Journey of Souls mm. by Michael Newton. Mm -hmm. In that it really created this idea of soul pods, how we travel together. Yeah. And how we all make agreements. I read this many years ago, many years ago, two, two decades ago. But I remember feeling that like, oh wow, I just got a download. Yeah. I just got a remembering of what happens in life between lives. Because everyone wants to do the past life regressions. Everyone wants to know if they were Cleopatra and all of that. And I do that in my practice. <laughs> like, yeah. They want to do a regression. That's amazing. And it's so great. And you can glean information from it. But what happens in the time in between those lives? And that's mm -hmm. what Michael Newton explores in, in his books. Beautiful. Perfect. We'll make sure it's in the show notes. It's such mm -hmm. a good one. Such a good one. Okay. Tell me about an experience or moment that changed your life in a profound way. Well, I've been talking a lot about childbirth lately because I feel like it's one of those areas where as women, we can really reclaim our power. Um, I feel like sometimes we, you know, I've had four births and they're all amazing and I'm so grateful for all of them. So I'm glad I have healthy children. So let's just say that straight off the bat. But I'd say one of them, the first time I turned my body over to science, I didn't have faith and trust in my body that it could do that. 
So, um, and I kind of had an out of body experience and I took advantage of all those medical, um, interventions and it was, and it's fine and great. But the second one, I had a knowing that I wanted to do something different. And so I happened upon, you know, underwater childbirth videos and hypnobirthing. And it was the first time I saw a woman because of all the programming I'd seen in uh, the media and movies of women just losing themselves, like ah, screaming and just not, um, not in their bodies. And so uh, I thought that's what it had to look like. And so when I saw that for the first time, I realized that's what I can do that. I can go within and I can draw on resources that I don't currently have, but that I will have and I want to have. Mm-hmm. And so I think probably that birth, that second birth was a reckoning for myself and what my body was capable of and the breath that I could lean into, which, um, has served me really well in other quadrants of my life when I've experienced pain. Yeah. Um, so I think it was, it was a beautiful experience. And then I did that with the next couple births too, but all births amazing. So let's just say that it's not one better than the other, but for me personally, that was like climbing Everest. Yeah. 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 A life-changing experience in many mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What is something you do for your health and wellness? Well, you know, I'm going to say meditation, but what I feel strongly to say is shielding. Hmm. I feel that we pick up a lot of things around us all the time, collectively, and even in our families and in the unseen, that isn't always favorable. And just like there's light, there's dark, and it's not to be in fear, but shielding, protecting. If you are, as a spiritualist, opening yourself up to light codes all the time, then it's your absolute responsibility to shield that because it becomes attractive to people, entities, whatever you want to say, we'll just call it. And so we, it's, it's response, spiritually responsible to shield daily. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I teach people how to do that, but I also, you can, you can do that. Call in different parts and aspects of your faith. Use sacred geometry. Yeah. Do, you know, if you have an interest in it, you, you can look into more of it, but I'd say that's pretty imperative. Yeah. Got it. There's a, there's a mantra in Kundalini that is a protection mantra. And it's one of those that anytime I go anywhere and get on a plane, anytime my partner's leaving the house to go get in the car, it's that, that's the mantra that I like to wrap us in. And what's the mantra? It's the, it's the Mangala Charn mantra. How does it go? It's, um, it goes, Ad Gade Name. Oh, Ad Gade Name. Yeah, it's such a good one. It's such so a good, good one. Yeah. 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 So yeah and, and now it's. And do you imagine I've, it with the pillars as you're going around? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if everybody does that because I study with Jai Dev Singh. Yeah. And so yeah. He, he taught it that way, but I don't know if that's like just regular Kundalini. Knowledge. I think. I think that's. A, I think that maybe is a practice, a teaching of his. And okay. my teacher is uh, Guru Singh. Oh, and yeah, yeah. and he's, he, lovely. Oh, he's just so lovely, so yeah. lovely. And it's just yeah, it's such a special practice. It and I, I do feel that when I'm using it and I go out into the world, there's just this beautiful protective mm-hmm. bubble existing yeah. around me. It's, it's uh, so whoever's really listening, find what works for you and yeah. lean into it. It's certainly at this time because we want to pick up and be sticky. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Okay. Last question. Tell me about a moment you knew magic was real. Mm. Oh my gosh. Well, probably that moment when I had put a call out and then the teacher arrived back in 17. Mm. It was probably the first time. Yeah. 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 
Perfect. Yeah, Matt. Ryan, thank you so much for your time. It's been so lovely getting to know you, getting to spend some time with you. And if someone wants to find your work, where shall they go to learn more about you? They shall go to Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, Instagram is probably where I write a lot. I usually blog there and write all kinds of things. And so I'm at Ryan Haddon Coach. Yeah, or my website, just Ryan Haddon. There you go. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Andy. It's been so great. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, thank you. See you soon. big thank you to Ryan for joining us for this episode. I also want to mention we have a lot of good stuff coming up. We just finished the three-day manifestation challenge. For those that joined, I would love to hear from you. How is it going? Send us a message via DM or email. We'd love to hear how the manifestation challenge has been going. Post-challenge, as you've been implementing your lessons into your life, On Friday, we have another Soul Shine experience happening in partnership with my friend Jesse May Wolf from last week's episode of HeartRise Movement. If you'd like to join us, make sure you're on the email list. We send out the invites for all these free events and free challenges to the email list. So don't miss it. It'll be Friday. We'll be getting our groove on, doing some meditation, connecting deeply into the heart, and also doing some kundalini-style cosmic breath and meditation work, and it's a lot of fun. These these events are really good ways to start your Friday or your weekend. They're so full of love. I absolutely adore getting to have this partnership with Jesse May of HeartRise Movement. I also wanted to share a review today. I haven't done this in a couple of probably quite a few episodes, actually, and I was just taking a look through our reviews and came across a couple that I wanted to share. So the first one is from Ashley Easter. Thank you, Ashley. And it's titled Intuitively Advanced. It says, Andy isn't afraid to go there. I feel like this podcast is on the cutting edge of new thought because nothing is too taboo and it's fully guided by intuition. My experience has been that this podcast gives words to experiences I can't fully articulate yet. Ah, thank you, Ashley. This means so much to me when you all share things like this. This podcast is so intuitively guided. It's very much that when we have interviews or when it's a solo episode, so much of what we're doing in the show is just guided through what's speaking to me in the moment. And I appreciate that so, so much, Ashley. I also wanted to share this one from Rough Dog 113. <laughs> I love the names. So much fun. Okay. So the title of the review is Great Podcast. This is a great podcast. I have learned a lot about being more grounded and happy. The episode with Nate Rifkin was fantastic. The episode with Nate was one of my favorite episodes too. I learned so much from that conversation with Nate. Nate is, for those who haven't listened, Nate is studying to become a Taoist priest and has such an incredible story. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go back a couple episodes and make sure you listen. So much good stuff. So much good stuff. So much good stuff. Okay. I think we're complete for today. Let me think. Is there anything else I want to tell you? I think that's it for today. Oh, we are announcing a new retreat location. We've actually announced the save the date. It's happening in October. 
New location will be announced, unveiled, revealed super soon. I will tell you this, it will be in California. So for those that have been wanting to travel within the U.S. that are based in the U.S., you'll have an opportunity to do that. It's going to sell out quickly. We'll have a limited amount of spaces. So as they say, watch this space for more information. In the meantime, if you want to give us a follow, if you're already following, thank you. If you're not, the show Instagram page is your woo woo BFF. Make sure you've subscribed to this show as well. And of course, I'm over on Instagram at Girl. Now we're officially complete with today's episode. I appreciate you all so much. I will see you back again next week for another interview. We've got a couple of interviews lined up coming up next, and then we'll get back into a solo episode in a couple of weeks. So I will see you again super soon. Thanks so much, my friends. Much love.